0: Hello and welcome to Healing from Within. I am your host, Cheryl Glick, author of The Living Spirit, Answers for Healing and Infinite Love, which shares stories of spiritual awakening, spiritual communication, healing energies, miracles, and a way to know your soul presence for intuitive guidance and direction. And today I welcome a former guest of the show, Arjuna Arj, to discuss his book, Radical Brilliance, An innate quality that is within each of us and can easily get covered by societal conditioning and diminishes our personal power to thrive and evolve as we can only accomplish this when aligned to our true nature as soul beings. Hello, Ashuner, and thank you for joining us again to discuss thoughts and insights that are so needed now more than ever uh, in order to illuminate uh, our true nature and well-being during these times of great changes to our nation and world. Okay. Thank
1: you. It's good to be with you again.
0: Right. And for our listeners, uh, you may go to my website, com and hear the last show I did with Arjuna and Dr. John Gray on Conscious Men. And that was in August 2017. So go to the radio page, go to 2017, and you can listen to the show that we did that uh, was so interesting. Arjuna... As our listeners well know, my guests and I seek to share intimate stories and insights into the metaphysical nature of both human and spiritual aspects of life, because it is only through knowing how life actually works and who we actually are uh, that we can develop greater self-awareness and master our emotions and find liberation and freedom from the outside world which ultimately leads us uh, through our innate spiritual gifts to find peace. In today's episode of Healing from Within, Arjuna Arj, author of The Translucent Revolution, as well as eight other books, offers us a compelling and practical model for the hidden components of life which are needed to make up a brilliant life. Supported by cutting-edge research into brain chemistry, nutrition, and biohacking, Arj offers us not only a map to navigate the ever-expanding field of developing your spiritual talents, but actual tools, techniques, and a lifestyle to help you reach the most brilliant version of yourself. Arjuna, you may remember that I always love to ask my distinguished authors and guests to think back to their childhood or Young adult life, perhaps, and remember a person, a place, or event that may have had a lasting impression on them, and perhaps prepared a vision of the life they would pursue in the future. So think back, or
1: mm. you know, I had a, I had a teacher when I was a, a young boy. Uh, his name was um, Christopher Coleman, Chris Coleman. He was my English teacher. And uh, I remember he, uh, we used to have to write, you know, stories. And I, I wrote him a story. And, and at one point he wrote on the, on the bottom of it, he wrote in red, he said, A, you know, put an A, <laughs> which means it's good. And then he said, and he said, I always look forward to reading your stories. And just the thought, wow, you know, my English teacher looks forward to reading my stories. Uh, lo and behold, you know, many years later, I've written nine books. And I write a blog every week. And and, and I think, you know, just it's actually that's a really, we all of us have something, something to contribute, you know. And right now, you said, you know, these are uncertain times, both nationally and, and internationally. These are yes. uncertain times. These are times, times would feel insecure. But actually, everything that we consider to be a problem today on the planet, sooner or later, will be resolved through someone thinking in a different way. That's what radical brilliance means it means to to think in a fundamentally different way about things that's you know uh years ago in um, the late nineteenth century in England there was a problem because after the industrial revolution uh, England was uh, london was full of horse drawn carriages that weren't there weren't so many there before there were there were horse drawn buses there were horse drawn trucks and so the Times of London, no less, this was in 1884, they did, a, they did research, and they estimated that within seven years, the entire city would be buried under nine feet of horse dung. Oh. Well, of course, that didn't happen because of the invention of the motor car, you know, the Ford motor car. Yes. So in fact, that problem of being buried under horse manure got changed into a different one, which, of course, has contributed to global warming. But the things that, we, that trouble us today... Everything will be resolved by people thinking in a new and original way, and that's the meaning of radical brilliance—to be able to—to to be able to shift your consciousness in such a way that you become a vehicle for brilliance in the world.
0: Absolutely, and you know, when you were talking, I was thinking back, 1884, or uh, in London, whenever that was, it wasn't actually that very long ago you know, in the scope mm-hmm. of humanity and yeah. history. And so much change yeah. has happened. And so rapidly, and even in the last 20 years since uh, uh, we have become uh, so in, not industrialized, but computerized with social media, there has been such a tremendous change that people are reeling from it. But as you say, it is the unfolding and the evolution of humanity and the world, and we will not only survive, but eventually thrive from all that's going on right now. I believe that. So let's go on to uh, your book, Radical Brilliance, describes a cycle of different kinds of subjective experience and brain activity, which you say will make someone innovative and original. Uh, Tell us about the phases of the cycle.
1: Sure, thanks, Cheryl. Well, so really, I arrived at this from reverse engineering. You know, I did 420 interviews with incredibly brilliant people, people who do change the world in extraordinary ways. And what, what, what I discovered is that brilliance is not the result of one thing, it's the result of several different things which co-align together. So you can think of it like, like a clock, you know? A clock has 12 at the top, three on the right, Six at the bottom, nine on the left, and so at the top of the clock we can think it's twelve o'clock. We can think of it like moments of awakening, moments when you awaken from your habitual mind and you have connection with something much bigger, uh, more spacious, more more brilliant than the small mind, which is which is which is thinking. But that alone, you know, that that actually is the is becomes the source of creative impulses, creative impulses that arise from something beyond your usual reference of, uh, of thinking. And as they move around, they become more pronounced, more developed from 12 to three. So these tiny little impulses of creativity, they grow in intensity until they come to three o'clock when we're in full creative flow. That's when, that's when you're writing, automatic writing, you can't stop when you're playing music and it's flowing through you, when everything is happening on its own. The movement from 3 to 6 is the movement from creative flow to accomplishment, and that's, that begins at 3 o'clock, it being, begins with an intention. An intention is creative flow projected into the future, So now there's an intention that builds in intensity until at 6 o'clock it becomes actual accomplishment in the world. The movement from 6 to 9 is the movement from accomplishment to learning, to humility. So just after you accomplish anything as soon as you produce any result in the world it involves choices it involves having to choose this over that and to be responsible for those choices and that inevitably introduces an element of regret so mm-hmm. because you choose one thing over another you are inevitably faced with regret and sometimes that regret might be that you were harsh with somebody or abrupt or that you, you, you did something at the expense of somebody else's well-being or even your own well-being and so you feel regret and that regret is actually a feeling in the body it's like a like a collapsing feeling in the chest if you if you actually pay attention to those moments of regret that carries you from six to nine from regret into learning nine o'clock is a place where you feel really where you feel at at the maximum humility you realize what i know is very little relative to all things I don't know. And the final movement is from 9 to 12, and that's the movement from humility back into awakening. So when we can move freely through that cycle, through the four, four quadrants of that cycle, from awakening into flow, from flow into accomplishment, from accomplishment into learning, learning back into awakening, that moving through that cycle every day, every week, every year, allows us to live a truly brilliant life
0: beautifully said i can see the clock and i can feel the different stages as we move through them and it's a great analogy but you also said a meditative approach leads to the awakening of true nature a more religious approach leads to a discovery of the love of god and this cycle that you're discussing uh, that we may move Through, in order to find our divine potential and to be in our radical or brilliance, does take place in both a meditative approach, which comes from within our heart and soul connection uh, to energy and spirit and universal life, and also, um, you know, intention, prayer, meditation, all of it, music, beauty, uh, love and people, and all kinds of connections. So I love that you said that. And let's go on to Coot Blackson wrote the foreword to your book. He suggests that brilliance is actually our natural state, uh, but it gets covered over by conditioning. You talk about that in the book as different kinds of blockage. What are these blockages? What are... You actually say uh, there are four kinds of blockages. So tell us something about that.
1: Sure, sure. So there are, as you said, there are four. We've been able to, again, from just exploring what happens with people, there are four ways that the cycle can get blocked. and these four styles of blockage can occur anywhere in the cycle. So one kind of blockage is addiction, which means that you grasp onto one of those phases that we described, and you think that that is life. So for example, if you get addicted to 12 o'clock, you think life is only about spirituality and angels and, you know, and, uh, and spiritual things. And, you, and so you diminish the relevance of a more, more kind of pragmatic aspect of life. And then you can get addicted to creative flow when you think that life is only about being creative. You can get addicted anywhere in the cycle.
0: But right. equally,
1: that's, so addiction is the, the first kind of blockage. The second is judgment, where you look at a particular part of the cycle and you think, oh, that's really stupid. Why would (laughs) anyone want to do that? That's like a waste of time. So that would be judgment. The third is aspiration resistance, where you look further along the cycle and it looks completely amazing and you really want to be there, but it seems impossible. And we can give examples of that too. And finally, the last kind of blockage is looping, where you go round and round and round in one part of the cycle. And uh, so you just inhabit a tiny part of the cycle of like a specialist.
0: In other words, uh, we're talking about putting all the cycles together and becoming expansive, open-minded, open-hearted, allowing and accepting, and being brilliant in all forms and aspects of life and ourself and connections to other. That's how I see it. I see it as, as a, okay. a beautiful expansion of using every part of our ego-minded physical life and our soul-based uh, life and being in a circle, a circle of continuous flow, allowing, accepting, and surrendering. Uh, and that way you realize your true potential, which is to be joyful, healthy, happy, and to awaken so let's go on to you have a pretty extensive chapter about brain activity and you interviewed a number mm-hmm. of world renowned scientists well, what can you tell us about what is going on in the brain in the different phases of the cycles that we're discussing here
1: sure well so up at 12 o'clock which we describe as moments of awakening in terms of brain chemistry this is this is Characterized by a serotonergic brain state, which means a predominance of serotonin. Um, as also the you know the the um, moments of awakening is also characterized by reduced blood flow to the prefrontal cortex, to so the front part of the brain, which is where we, which is our, our which is what makes us unique as human beings that we have this capacity to think, to have logic, to plan ahead but this of course inhibits the feeling of spaciousness. So there's reduced prefrontal activity uh, temporarily, actually more activity in the back part of the brain, which gives us a greater feeling of boundaryless consciousness. Now as we move around from 12 to three through the first quadrant, there's a movement from a serotonergic activity to dopaminergic, which means that we're moving from predominance of serotonin to more dopamine and it doesn't actually just mean more dopamine it actually means more dopamine sensitivity so at the beginning of the of that movement a little tiny bit of dopamine can produce a huge amount of kind of excitement and creativity so that would be like a tiny impulse of creativity creating a strong feeling as you move around you might then get really really a lot of dopamine but less receptivity in the uh uptake um cells so, that's, so that movement between 12 and 3 is the play of serotonin and dopamine. As we move from 3 to 6, we actually start to see the influence of hormones. So for a man, things get done in a more um, testosterone-driven way, which means setting goals and pushing through boundaries. For a woman, things get done in a more um, estrogen and uh, oxytocin way, which is more to do with, with creating bonds with other people, feeling a sense of team, we can do this together, and a strong sense of trust. But either way, as you move closer towards six, towards meeting deadlines within boundaries, there we start to see a noradrenaline being released in the brain, which is the, the neurochemical equivalent of uh, adrenaline in the, in the adrenal gland above the kidneys. So that means a sense of stress and urgency, but it also means a repression of the um, parasympathetic nervous system. So there's a dominance of, of sympathetic nervous system activity. So, Parasympathetic nervous system, which means needing to go to the bathroom, feeling an aching in your back, you know, your mm-hmm. eyes are sore. All those things get get ignored because getting something done. Now, right after you accomplish something at six, that we have what's called parasympathetic flooding, which means there's a flooding of parasympathetic activity. You start to feel tired. Your, your back starts mm-hmm. to ache. You start to have all kinds of emotions, and that now and that is what's part of that feeling of regret. So. I mentioned right after 6 o'clock, you feel kind of this, this caving feeling in your chest. You feel regret, like, oh, I made a mistake. That is actually, um, that goes along with parasympathetic activity. Now, as we move around from 6 to 9, the parasympathetic activity causes repair in the body, which causes a replenishment of the brain chemical GABA. GABA is the chemical associated with everything's okay. Uh, I, I, I did my best. I can relax. I deserve a reward. Everything's all right. I can, you know, I, I can, I can, I can let things flow now. So that's nine o'clock. Is, is, is a predominance of GABA, and finally, a, a brain drenched in GABA is a brain that can repair itself. So as we move from nine to twelve, the a brain deeply resting, will produce more serotonin, and that brings us back up to twelve o'clock. Now that's a very very quick overview. Yeah,
0: Brooke. but it's very good because it shows our listeners that we are very complicated spiritual and physical beings, and there's a lot going on. So, when you can come to accept uh, that nothing is happening for bad, it's happening as it has to happen for us to learn and to go past any limitation or blockage, uh, then we can accept so much more in life. And, that That's what I heard when uh, I was just listening to you. We're very complicated physical, emotional, spiritual thinking beings, functioning beings, producing and creating, creative beings. It's what we are. We are so much. We are so much more uh, than we often think ourselves to be. Now, if you had to adopt just one practice tomorrow, you give many in your book, to enhance brilliance, or our development and our total well-being, what would that be?
1: Well, you know, I think the one thing that people can do that makes the most difference is nothing. (laughs) The one thing that makes the most difference is nothing, which means to take time to sit and observe. Yes. Just to sit and simply to observe what is going on. And I prefer not to use the word meditation because when we say meditation, we start to want to be spiritual and we have an idea what spiritual should look like and we have a whole kind of agenda Mm -hmm. simply sitting means to sit still and just to observe what is already happening it might be nervousness it might be different emotions moving but if you simply observe slowly you relax and become the observer you relax into being that which is aware which is consciousness without boundaries
0: Yeah, and you, and you feel your body also. It's okay to feel your body. It's okay to feel anxiety. It's okay to feel stillness. It's okay to feel many people have given that up for numbness but we're saying uh, Mm -hmm. we want you to feel so you also mentioned focusing specifically on diet not just for physical health but for clarity of consciousness and you mentioned 10 most important supplements to take on a daily basis so people who go to and read your book will find out about this and you also discuss interviews with extraordinarily brilliant people who have made uh, unlimited and undisputed contributions now you mentioned Barbara Marks Hubbard and uh, describe Mm -hmm. her connection with Jonas Salk who who inspired her Uh, Barbara has been a guest several times on Healing From Within listeners can go to the radio page of my website, CherylGlick.com, uh, to access that interview. You also mention Lynn Twist. Would you like to tell us uh, something about one of those people?
1: Sure. Well, Lynn is probably, you know, Lynn is really the most perfect embodiment of what the book is about. Uh, her life has really been lived in a glorious dedication to something bigger than her own needs. I mean, for years, she... Uh, she ran the Hunger Project, which uh, emerged out of Est, and the Hunger Project was able to raise 2.2 billion dollars wow. uh, to alleviate w- world hunger with hundreds of thousands of volunteers around the world. In um, and so you'd have thought that would be enough in one life, you know, to alleviate world hunger. Mm. But um, in the in the late 90s, she was contacted by a tribe. Deep in the Amazon jungle, the Achuat tribe, who had had no contact with the outside world up to that point. And she was actually called by them kind of telepathically to um, to help preserve the Amazon rainforest. So now she founded the Pachamama Alliance together with her husband, Bill and John Perkins. And between them, they've been, been able to put millions of acres of rainforest into permanent land trust so that it can't be eroded by by um, big oil and by exploitation. So Lynn Twist is somebody who has just made this enormous contribution. But it's interesting because she says in the book, it seems like you have to give things up. It seems mm. like it's a life of sacrifice, but actually you don't sacrifice anything. You gain everything. That, yeah. uh, that, that actually it's, it's not a matter of when, you, when your life becomes about contribution and service and really making a difference to other people, that's where you find the deepest meaning and purpose
0: yes and there really never is any loss there's only finding more of yourself so I I, I love that now you work with people one-on-one as a coach and I work with people uh, as an intuitive healer one-on-one what Mm. are some of the obstacles uh, that you find get in the way of people uh, creating their more brilliant loving and expanded uh, soul being and physical life just
1: mention a few with well, them, perhaps. Know, yeah, you know, Cheryl, I work. I work almost. I mean, I would say exclusive with people who want to make a huge difference to the world. So I work mm. with people who are. I work with people who are finding solutions to global warming, or totally changing the face of medicine, or who are doing something that makes a difference to the greatest number of people. And what the main thing that really gets in the way of any of that is ourselves, you know? It's, I mean, we become the greatest obstacle thinking about me and... Now, of course, that doesn't mean we have to punish ourselves. I mean, you do... The body needs enough sleep and and it needs proper nutrition and and everything. But when we collapse inwards into a kind of um, self-introspective... You know, what do I need? What's my life purpose? What should I do? This kind of... um, uh, the the self thinking about itself is actually what causes us to become distracted from uh, from a bigger vision. And it's a tricky thing because I'm not talking about self-denial. I mean, people, we all of us do need to take care of ourselves.
0: Yes, but absolutely. For yeah. it's,
1: it's, but for most people, it's more like a kind of self-obsession that mm. gets in the way. And it's, it's ironic because we think that by... We think that by thinking, what do I need, what do I need, how do I get my needs met, what do I need, what do I need, we think that by thinking that way, we're going to actually get what we want. But it's actually ironic that we don't. When we think a lot about ourselves, we just collapse into a kind of a... um into, a, into an internalized state.
0: Yeah, we get stalled. And, um, we get hit. You can look yeah, at it like a car, stalling out. Yeah, absolutely. You, so you, the you...
1: key is to be able to move freely through the whole cycle. That's the point, is, is to have moments in your day when you really do feel yourself deeply, but also mm. moments in your day when you disappear, when you melt like a dewdrop into this ocean of, 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 of awakening, so that you're moving through the whole cycle freely every day.
0: Well, you know, in my book, The Living Spirit, I addressed happiness and uh, many of the obstacles that get in the way of our soul power and full potential in the following way, and I wrote, Many seek to be the best they can be and are encouraged to be perfect. They do not allow less for themselves than what others deem to be perfect for them. But since we are always in a state of change, The ideas and wishes of others are not nearly as important as our welcoming the experiences and challenges that surface and handling them to the best of our ability. We should aim to become a person who doesn't find fault in others, moving past personal obstacles with courage, hope, and faith to find peace, be free of any influence of others that take that state of mind peace away from you. And I think your whole system is about looking for that, finding that, holding that, being that, living that, and, of course, uh, accomplishment will inevitably result in that process. So what would you like readers Mm -hmm. to take away with them after reading Radical Brilliance?
1: Well, you know, I think many people discover their greatest fulfillment and joy and energy in life from being a parent. You know, for all of us who've been lucky enough to steward other human beings onto the planet, there's tremendous fulfillment in that. And when you're a parent, that's the time when you put your needs aside and you really focus on the needs of this little person. And it's also the time when we often have the greatest joy. I think that's the key is to be able to, is to be able to allow that flip in consciousness to see that, when you really dedicate yourself to something bigger than your own story, your own story actually resolves and gets taken care of in the process. So that's that. That's really what I would hope anyone and everyone would take away from Radical Brilliance is the possibility to dedicate your life to something bigger than yourself.
0: I thank you for mm. saying that because it's probably... One of the most beautiful experiences uh, that we can have in loving, being close, guiding, and being part of other people's learning and happiness in life. So I want to thank you, Arjuna author of Radical Brilliance. For sharing many thoughts of remembering and enhancing our natural state of living with infinite potential and having all the resources within and around us to achieve a fruitful and joyful life journey by moving past limiting obstacles and creating new patterns for success. To purchase Radical Brilliance or other books by Arjuna, go to RadicalBrilliance.com in summarizing today's episode of healing from within we have become familiar once again with a part of ourselves ultimately connected to the universal force of life and energy that encourages us to remember our natural state of divinity and our path to create lives of our own making as we move past the thoughts fears and limitations of others and the patterns of our childhood or blockages we achieve a sense of freedom and liberation and know ourselves the world and the universe in a more open-minded way arjuna wrote most people have an intuition of some magic ingredient which if it was found and added to their life would make everything okay more money better health find your soulmate become enlightened the chapter explores all of them as well as the disappointment which they usually yield We recognize, however, that some people are in fact deeply fulfilled, have lots of energy, and life goes well for them in almost every way. When we reverse engineer what we learn from these people, we find that the magic ingredients has to do with a strong sense of contribution and purpose. Arjuna and I would have us all begin to share the passion, sincerity, humility, and vulnerability that brings a sense of gratitude, love, and awareness to the most rewarding moments of life and continue to self-investigate from within our hearts to find again and again the exhilaration of joy in simply being alive with hope and trust in the universal plan for us all. I am Cheryl Glick, host of Healing from Within, and I invite you to visit my website to hear and read about the world of universal energy and our connections to the multidimensional unfolding of life as we discover the many layers of awareness and consciousness that are our natural soul birthright and our path to evolution and higher consciousness. Shows may also be heard on webtalkradio.net and DreamVision7Radio.com Thank you.